Hello and welcome to the XX Mormon podcast on this fine Sunday morning or evening or whenever it is that you're listening. I'm but it is Sunday. <laughs> yes, that's all that matters. Sunday is always in our hearts, perpetually. Um, I'm I'm Heavenly Mother, and I am presiding today. Ha ha ha! And then we have one less priesthood holder than last time because he is out spreading the word of the Lord. Um, so today, conducting, we have Elder Jackson. Yes. Hello. I'm Elder Jackson. I'm conducting. I'm the priesthood holder in this meeting today. Um, yeah. Um, the brother of Jared thought that it was important that more people receive the gospel. So he's also, I don't know, he said something about building barges or something. I don't know what that's about, but whatever. What is a barge? You know, he, he just, you know what? He, he just said it'll be tight and he, he left. So last I heard, there were some people trying to explore the Titanic in a barge, a vessel. <laughs> I don't know what went for them. I don't know how well, that went. Do you know what? Do you know what their problem was? Their problem with their vessel was there wasn't a hole in the top and a hole in the bottom, so that they could let the air in or out. You know, like that was that was the problem with the the one that went down to explore the Titanic, is they should have poked a hole in the top and a hole in the bottom, but like you could cork it up. Um, also, they didn't bring like you know, farm animals with them. That was part of the problem. Fair. Yeah. You bring your 19-year-old kid, but you couldn't bring a farm animal. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. like, that's inconsiderate. Will someone please think of the cows? <laughs> God. Well, tee-hee-hee. Speaking about laughing about oppressive forces um, and their demise, we have, other than the 19-year-old kid, that one was sad. But That is sad. Yeah, and it is a little old news, but who cares? You could be listening to this at any time. It's timeless. Podcast timeless. Today, we are furthering the discussion on the 15 characteristics of white supremacy as created by Tamu Okun. Do, 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 do. Um, and so we can get right into it. I have the first one. And these don't go in any specific order. This is the way that I had written them down. Um, so we have, I mean, this is another one that's just dead on, uh, only one right way. Yes. As a white man, <laughs> as I can attest to the fact that, uh, there are, there are expectations and there is like, um, especially in the church. I mean, the church is huge for there being the one right way, right? Like even even other Christian religions aren't kosher in, you know, it, under the view of, of the church, right? You have to have this authority and that authority, and you might have like, oh, congratulations, you have the Bible, you have some of the truth, right? But this, this is the one path that leads back to God. Uh, that one is very very present in the church. I think that it, I mean, it's one of the foundations of the church, but also I definitely see it as a toxic behavioral piece from several men in authority in the church. And that comes from like a personal level. So on the micro, right? Like in individual wards I've been in where you just had a weird bishop that had weird rules. 
Like I had a bishop who him as a person had this personal feeling that ring ceremonies at wedding receptions were inappropriate and unnecessary. So he actually, if you were, if you invited him to your wedding or if you invited him to your wedding reception and there was a ring ceremony, he wouldn't go. He would come after, but he would leave because he was so against it because it was, it wasn't, there was only one right way to get married. And that's what he would say. Right. Because it's like a sacrilegious, like you were supposed to do this in the temple, right? Like there's no, because yeah, it's like, I guess in his mind, it was like, oh, well, we have a ceremony we do. We have a wedding that we do. You're already married. What is this weird charade you're doing for everybody else, for the Gentiles? Like, what is that about? That's literally how how he acted and how he responded to it. And it was just weird. And one of the issues, one of the the many reasons why only one right way is a tool of white supremacy is because I can think of many, many instances that that is an excuse not to have compassion and not to Mm. have empathy. Well, they're not doing it the right way. It's like, well, they're doing it their way. Um, I have like a funny little story that was told to me on my mission. Um, And I defended the people in the story and they were just silently like, what? So um, they told a story about, this could have been on the folklore episode, but it wasn't folklore. It was just a specific story to my mission. How, um, missionaries back in the day mormon missionaries went to the navajo reservation or some it was some reservation right because they can never say a specific tribe because the story is probably not true um i have to clear my throat i'm gonna mute myself really fast because i hate the way that it sounds while she's doing that let's just say wow that's an interesting story so far can't wait for more (laughs) as it leads up um, and they were teaching the res- the people out in the desert, the native tribes that are southwest, how to plant seeds, like how to farm. And where you like you line them up, like you draw lines in the dirt and you boop, boop, boop with the little seeds in there. And then you wrap up the dirt and you water them. Um, and the, the people that they were teaching were men. And the two native men looked at each other and kind of smirked. Mm-hmm. Um and while they, after they smirked, they had their handful of seeds and they just tossed them. And they were like, no, that's how we, that's how we plant. Shake them, boom. And then just like scattered. And they're like, and then in a couple months we harvest them anyways. And they like went about their business. And then the white missionary explaining the story was trying to compare it to missionary work. And how the right way is to like line up the seeds and plant them in the dirt and water them and then, then harvest them. Guess what? Heavenly Mother came in swooping in clutch because I was like, your story is bullshit. And I'm going to tell you fucking why. Number one, those men know that land. They know that a strong seed is going to make it. We live in the goddamn desert. Like we're literally in, and I love the desert. I don't want to say goddamn like that, but it was like. We're not in some place with super fertile ground and a ton of water and farming makes sense. We're in the desert. Like we're literally in the desert. And I, I like shot the story down. I was like, those men know the land. Why would they waste their time lining up them little seeds 
covering them with a little dirt, and then adding, watering them every day when not all of them are going to even make it in the first place, and they never stood a chance. Because there is such thing as having a bad seed. Water is a scarcity in the desert. Mm-hmm. Everyone should know this. And the Colorado River is also in trouble. Anyways, look that up. Um, and there's not too many. So I had to get my water when I lived on my mission. The water from the tap wasn't safe to drink, mm. even if you got it through a filter. We had to go buy our water from a well. And everybody did in the areas that I lived. Um, <clears throat> we all bought our water. Water wasn't safe. So point is, safe drinking water is a scarcity down there for so many reasons, including nuclear testing um, and the fracking and all the stuff. So basically these men, we concluded at the end because they weren't having my attitude or my explanation that like, well, I guess there really isn't one good way to farm. Mm-hmm. Well, fair enough. But these, these men that had lived there their entire lives knew what they were talking about. These white missionaries who are coming in from who knows where, uh, they only know one way to farm and the way that they farm makes sense. The way that they plant makes sense, but the way that these men plant makes sense. And I just like had to justify these men in the story because I was like, why would they waste their time when they know already several of these seeds ain't going to freaking make it. I think that's interesting too, because um, if, if you do that, like if you let the bad seeds die instead of kind of like forcing them to grow with water that is scarce, uh, you end up with better seeds for the next harvest too, right? Like it like weeds exactly. out the the ones who don't make it. So I don't know. I think I think that's a good idea. Also, I'm realizing there is a very strong correlation between uh, what we're talking about with white supremacy, capitalism, and um, and like alpha males. You know that whole whole mentality of like ultra efficiency right of like calculating how am i going to get the most out of this and how can i do this and this and this and like i am i am pro um you know the technology we have now that allows me to live a very comfortable life i love indoor plumbing i want to bear my testimony about electricity you know like all of all of these things but Sometimes I feel like we go a little far with like our um, our obsession with growth and progress, right? Like it turns into a Ponzi scheme. We need infinite growth, right? What happens? What happens to all these companies when like the population of the earth steadies and like the population stops like going up and up and up and then suddenly they're like, oh shoot, like we have our customer base and there's no like we're not opening more locations we're closing one and over there and opening one over here because of migration patterns or whatever but it's not like we don't have like some infinite growth hack Um, but that's what all of this is kind of planned around and organized around well luckily for you that actually is a a characteristic later on so you just, oh. you just have a trailer for another point. Look at well, me. I I kind of, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think I'm an expert white supremacist. I think that's, oh, uh, oh I mean, like, uh, I'm, 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 
an expert at white supremacy. Oh, maybe that doesn't sound right. Uh, I'm like, when it comes to white supremacy, I'm an expert. Is that no, 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 no? Yeah, that yeah. one's fine. I, I can myself on white supremacy. Okay, I'm an expert on white supremacy, not at white supremacy. I guess that's an important distinction to make. That's um, fair. General speaking, authorities, though. General authorities. Uh, they are white men, they were the first ex except for uh, Elder Gong, I guess. But uh, like you know. we said, by James Baldwin, white supremacy has no race. You oh, can uphold yeah. these characteristics. You can uphold these ideas and not be white, just like you can be white and not be a white supremacist. Oh, in interesting. Okay, well uh, that's good. That's, I mean, the being able to be white <laughs> and not be a white supremacist is good news. Um, yeah. Speaking of white people, um, mm -hmm. our dearly beloved Bishop Jensen, uh, yes. he texted me. Um, mm. He came out of hiding. He's been in mm. hiding. He's been persecuted. And so he had he had to go into hiding. But he texted in me. In the Lord. And, hiding in a mountain of the Lord. Yes. Exactly, yeah. The Lord doth protect him in the palm of his hand. Um, he He texted me and he said... Well, actually, actually, this is this is what happened first. I said I watched Tenet. I liked it very much. Also, Oppenheimer. Wow, that's what I said. <laughs> and then one week later, more than one week later, after our last episode was published, he said, "Hey, sorry for my late reply. I listened to your latest episode. You're tempting me back." So he really enjoyed our conversation last week, and he actually oh. he actually called me a couple days ago, and uh, and he he was like, yeah. So I read that article that Heavenly Mother was talking about. He like read through the whole thing, and he's like, oh it was God. really interesting, <laughs> and he had he had he had thoughts about it that uh, that at some point would be interesting to hear about. Uh, on, on on the show because he I think he understood it a lot better than I do but uh, alas <laughs> I'm what we've got <laughs> um, but there's not just one right way and that's okay that we have you and not him that's, that's how we true. fight with supremacy Elder Jackson that's that true I appreciate that but he, he had he had some really interesting uh, really interesting insights and uh, he he thought it was really really f a fascinating conversation. So he he sends his love, and he may or may not be on the podcast at some point in the, hey, in the future. Isn't that nice? He was he was done. He told me he said, "I hate this podcast. I hate you, Elder Jackson." <laughs> oh my god! Um, and but then now he listened to a great conversation, and he's like, "I need to go back." So That's I'm glad it. he saw the light. Me too. He came right. His heart was softened. His heart he... was softened. <laughs> That's so true. Um, so true. No, it is real. And I like that we could even tie him wanting to come back into anti only one right way. Because also what the church does, right, is if you leave, um, it's a very all or nothing type of experience, mm -hmm. right? Because this is the only one true church. So if you're part of some other faith that's similar or has good values, it doesn't matter because you're not a part of this one. So yeah. if we were white supremacists, we would say, you know what, Bishop Jensen, 
unless you're in this completely every week, get out of town. And that's not our vibe at all because we're not white supremacists. So it spills over into everything. You mm. can't have a baptism without a priesthood holder as a witness. And you know what I mean? Like there's such a formality right. to how to do everything that's very impractical. Yep. Yeah. So the hyper efficiency is there. And I think that ties into white supremacy as a whole. But I also think it gets into really dumb bureaucracy points yes. as well. Bureaucracy is a huge, huge thing. Because you see all of these documents, you know, it's like it's always here. You got to sign this and you got to do it this way. And you have to get this form to do that. And it's like, dude, I just I, I just need to eat. I just need some help, like getting food. Why, why are there all these hoops I've got to go through? And it's like, well, that's the process. It's like, well, frick the process. Like, why, like, what is this process that we just have to like jump through all these hoops to get my basic needs met? Excuse me? When you and I both know, especially for here in the U.S., I don't know how taxes work in Canada. We have an IRS. They know mm -hmm. how much money you make. They know yeah. who qualifies for food stamps and who doesn't. They know who qualifies for WIC and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. They know who can reasonably pay off their student loans and who can't. They yep. can see how much money is in my bank account at any point. Yep. Anybody with my social security number can actually. So yep. anybody I have a loan with can see like, oh, this bitch is broke. Anyways, yep. and I imagine that's how they talk about me. I don't know if they do like that, but I think they would. <laughs> They're like having conversations of, about just like <laughs> daily. Yeah. Like, oh God, like the people I bought the, my couch from, I pay them and then I'm sure they look it up and they're like, damn, wow. Anyways, so the the formality and the process behind it, like it does like, hmm, mysterious. Why do we make people do all this? Mm -hmm. um, and the church is very similar, but I think that the way that the church does it is also to enforce the patriarchy. Mm. You have to have men doing these very specific things in a very specific way that only they can do. Um, so yeah, the only one, only one right way to me sprinkles into every aspect of the church, including the conformity, the beauty standards, me and uh, yeah. Mary Magdalene, so-called body shame. As mm -hmm. worth a listen if this topic really, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, this little point is really getting me to my breakthroughs, then that's another one that's good to listen to. Because um, even the beauty standards are only one way. The way you dress, the way you, the manner in which you speak is all one way. A conference talks of all the hypnotic pattern of speech. Mm -hmm. uh, they all live in Utah. Like the way that there is a oneness is so unsettling. That's why I like Star Trek. That's fair. Because it, it's infinite diversity and infinite combinations, you know? Like it's, mm. it's, it's, it's not like that. You know, I mean, okay, Starfleet, it's an organization with a hierarchy and stuff. But there is like, there's a lot of diversity in there. And I appreciate that. And I think that having, having hierarchies... There definitely is a million ways that that can go wrong and a million ways that that can go right. Mm -hmm. so I can, I mean, I can veer off. We could literally do a whole episode on Heavenly Mother's political opinions. Um, and I wouldn't even get super specific. I would literally just talk about structure because that's mm -hmm. how nerdy I am. But uh, I agree with you there that like you can, even if you desire a hierarchy or you want to function in one, whatever the case, 
you can still do it in a way that's less bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I can go down that rabbit hole at any time. Or we can go to the next topic. It's up to you. I think we could go to the next topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sipping coffee. I apologize if anyone can hear that in the background. I apologize if anybody's offended that she's drinking coffee. <laughs> that's solid. Then we have <laughs> something that I think we both know all too well. Paternalism. <laughs> Paternalism. That is a very Mormon thing. It's so Jim, Jesus, Mary, and the church. The paternalism down to the, you know, the, <laughs> the patriarchal grip where they just put their God, their little hand, their thick man hands on your shoulder to tell you something useless. Even if it's just to say hello and you're like, why are you, why are you touching me like a parent? Why are you putting your, your arm on my shoulder or my upper arm? Which just, oh my God. Uh, and that's been referenced before on the podcast by guests, by us, by who knows how many people. Mm. It kills me. They all act like they're your freaking parent. It's so gross. And this is, this is met, grown men doing it to grown women who are older than them. Mm-hmm. It's grown men doing it to other grown men their age. It's so weird. They literally do the like a we'll take it from here. Like it's so unsettling the way that they act like parents. When I want to trust these men to like fix my car. Tiny rant, and I'm sorry that I'm doing this, but I'm not. I'm not sorry. So I was sorry I wouldn't be doing it. Don't be sorry. <laughs> How many? I just is this is a thought experiment, and no hate. To people that work in this field, every man, I swear, in my home stake was a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Mormons and chiropracting. What is the connection? I don't know. So these men were like eerily uncomfortable with like touching people because it's what they did mm-hmm. for a living. And I was like, get your hands off of everyone. It's so annoying. But they were so um, just so paternally the i'm the parent and even in mormon folklore that episode stories of paternalism were throughout so sorry that was a long rant your turn i don't know if that was long enough um but (laughs) there is more than one right way to do things so that's okay (laughs) i accept your rant and the state that it came to me and i appreciate you sharing that with me now let me take it from here miss um (laughs) The stand is on my shoulder for listeners. So on on, on chiropractors, I think the reason there's such a connection between them and Mormons is because it's kind of a sham, but it's also like you got to be smart, you know? I agree it is a sham. Thank you for saying Mm -hmm. that. I don't want to say that, but now I'm comfortable being my authentic self. It's a fucking scam. I I know I offended a lot of people by saying that. Like I know, I know for certain, and there might be chiropractors listening. And I think, I think there are maybe some good things that people can do, but I don't think you're doctors. That's a, that's a fair point. Also, if you're a chiropractor and you are listening, I need you to do deep introspective look into your work and then maybe email us if you want to come on, because I will shame your whole career Actually, I, will shame all of I, I think it would be interesting because i'm sure there are good well-meaning but, yeah. chiropractors i'm sure most of them are actually you know um i just i, I just don't really uh 
No, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't I, I, most of them. Let's we're like see. slandering look chiropractors. These are the reports of people that are paralyzed, people that have blood clots, people that have corroded artery. Like people have artery issues from going to a chiropractor. The lists are overwhelming. The malpractice that goes on—that's literally right. where my shade is coming from. Okay, so it's look. it's the the shade is at it as at, at the industry, not necessarily at the individual. Well, it's. <laughs> Because I I don't know. I'm sure there are chiropractors who don't have. I opened a can of worms. I opened a can of worms. No, we we should sure. do we should do an episode that is just our strong opinions, and we can just like most controversial strong opinions. Yes, have have like a and list. Yeah, uh, and it can be like the hill that we die on. You know. <laughs> um, but That's I'm. Hilarious. I'm I'm glad chiropractors work for some people, just like I'm glad religion works for some people. It's bullshit, but if it works for you, you know, That's okay. True. I have friends that see chiropractors and they're literally fine. They've never been injured. Yep. Yep. I'm just, I'm just shaming. And you know what? My hatred for chiropractors, the origin was the Mormon ones. Mm. So then I went looking for biases that confirmed that it's a sham. You know what I mean? Right. So I started from that point. Right. So they're, could be well in my humble opinion the things that you need a chiropractor for if you went to a physical therapist and a massage therapist mm -hmm. and did okay. what they ask you to do your issues could be solved it's just going to take much longer mm, and i do feel like instant gratification even though it's not on tamu okun's list i believe instant gratification is a part of white supremacy and i might be able to tie it into one of the last points when we get to them um and I feel like a chiropractor fixes a problem very quickly, but it doesn't cure it where if you had gotten through the slowness, the sense of urgency, I guess that's tied to it. The mm -hmm. sense of urgency is tied to instant gratification. Right. Um, look at me making my little hate work into this podcast. That's my <laughs> Like that's, a jank block it, I had placed. It shows a really creative mind in you, Heavenly Mother, um, and I guess that's part of Godhood is being so creative. Um, but you you are able to take your hate and channel it into the podcast. And I, I think that's beautiful. I think that's wonderful. Um, but I did I did have something else to add about paternalism. Oh, yeah, about the way uh, when people get authority, they like act different towards you, right? And and they're kind of like, I'm I'm the bishop now. I'm I'm the bishop. I'm the elders quorum president. I remember at BYU Idaho, there was this guy who was called into the bishopric. I never actually met him, so I don't have you know any interaction with him because I had stopped going to church. It was during COVID, so I I didn't. I was just like, oh, but the sickness. I can't come to church, bishop. And he was like, I understand. And then I just never went. Um, but in, in the ward, there was a guy called into the bishopric who was two years younger than me and he was buried. That's why he was in the bishopric. Oh my God. And, uh, I have, I have a friend who I met at BYU Idaho and he was going on a co-ed camping trip and, 
he was he he was a bit older of a student. I think he was like 25 or something like that, which isn't uncommon at BYU Idaho at church schools because you often go on missions and stuff. Um, but he was 25, and a bunch of his friends were you know between 23 and 28, right? But they were not allowed, as per school rules, to go on a co-ed camping trip without a chaperone. So they brought along another couple friends who were married to each other, and they were like they were like 19. And so they're they're like these adults, these like mid twenty kids, getting chaperoned by these like nineteen year old married couple, and like the they're this couple's in charge solely because they're married, right? Like there wasn't any consideration of like, well, you know, you guys have a history of drug abuse, so we're sending your younger brother to make sure you'd stay out of trouble. Like it was nothing like that. It was literally just like. They're married, so they're going to go with you. And it's like, but we're all adults here. It's like, yeah, but they're married. So, like, they're, you know, they can sense the Lord better. You know, or what? like, it's like, guys, 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 come on. That's so unsettling. And you know what? If you're, even if you are Mormon, it's weird. But especially if you're outside of the church, that sounds insane. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds crazy talk, crazy town. And Methuselah, my brother, he mentioned that to me um, because he had people at his job. He had people all around him in his life in the church and church spheres that once he got married, they treated him with so much more respect. And it actually made him angry. because He was like, mm-hmm. I'm the same person. I just had a fiance and then I got married and came back. And now I have a, a, a wife legally. Mm-hmm. Um and spiritually and all, they got married um, and they had a ring ceremony. I know, God, mm. they did They did that. They had a ring ceremony. It was really beautiful. Um, and it was so just upsetting to him to be like, man, these people literally treated me totally different mm-hmm. based on um, the fact that I was married. And there is that eerie paternalism. I had a bishopric member who was our age and his wife was supposed to be like, a matron over us, that woman was terrified that man was going to cheat at all times. Like she was very jealous and controlling and both of them had traumas in their family involving infidelity Mm. that clearly they hadn't worked through because they were also crazy young. Like they were both under the age of 24 and they didn't know each other very long when they got married. And she gave up going to big BYU to go to BYUI because that's where he got in. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they didn't serve a mission together, but I think they had met in the MTC or something. So, so much of their relationship was long distance and so much of their relationship was tied to the church itself. Um, but the deep, like she was so just hypervigilant over him. The insecurities were insecuring like all over the place. And at the time I was like, you know, it is kind of inappropriate that he's a bishopric member and he's literally 23 and she's 23 and we're all 23. And that, I mean, I guess that is kind of weird, but now looking back on it, because I've done episodes on it before the hyper fixation on chasteness ends up making the problems worse. Hmm. And so in a normal context, 
I mean, men and women can interact in a platonic manner very well, but if you put them in a super controlling religious environment, people get weird because of the sexual frustration, because of the fixations, because of the shame. Um, it's like I've said before with Mary Magdalene, like I left the church and I was like, oh my God, men and women can be friends and it not be sexual and weird. And we both laughed because that was something that was rarely ever modeled to us in the church. Mm-hmm. There was always this underlying uh, men are animals. Like that was always, <laughs> women are seductresses. Like there was always this underlying um, ulterior motive and projection that isn't actually real. <laughs> well, like, and and you get this weird, um, you know, every time uh, in in the church when a guy is friends with a girl, and I think this exists in our culture generally, when a guy is friends with a girl, the parents are going to be like, oh, who who is she? It's like, well, she's my friend. It's like, oh, but like, eh, is, there, huh? is there anything there? And it's like, she's my friend. You know, it's like, well, are 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 we not allowed to be friends? You know? And so there is that um, weird expectation. And then, yeah, you get married young and, you know, and, that, and then you're, and then you're a different person suddenly. That's how it happens. That's how it <laughs> happens, kids. You're just completely, and the, what ends up happening at the school at BYU Idaho, and you were there and I was there, not the same time though, but is the other people in the ward and the other people around you will fill in those parents' shoes if you have a female friend or if you have a guy friend. Yes. Of, hey, is this going to get... And it came to the point that men were so rude to me all the goddamn time that if a man was nice to me and we had a solid conversation... My roommates would be like, oh, so you guys are going to go on a date? And I'm like, no, he's not into me like that. I'm like, but you had such a good conversation. I was like, because we're going to be friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. it's not, he's not attracted to me. Like, it's yeah. not a thing. Um, but it was just that bad that a man being kind to me, simply speaking to me in a respectful way, having a common interest and not being condescended to mm-hmm. was so rare. Yeah. And I literally, I have two men in my mind who did talk to me with respect and I still remember them. Yeah. And it's been years because it never fucking happened. Yeah. If a guy didn't want to date me, he treated me like trash. Like right. that was just the fact. And most of it was subtle. And most women at that school, depending on how they were raised, it, they didn't notice and it didn't bother them. But I came from a home with, you know, a brother and a father. I come from a culture that used to be matriarchal at one point mm-hmm. before colonialism. So my expectations of how I should be treated was like, I should be treated equal to a man. <laughs> like, yeah. hmm? And so to have anything less, uh, God, yeah. And then men my age or younger would be paternally to me because they right. had a, a priesthood. And I do have, a, oh, sorry. Sorry, on that, I just wanted to note that she followed him to BYU Idaho um, and there is this expectation that well I'm the man of the house so we're gonna go to the place where I'm doing my thing and you're along for the ride of course I like that you worded it like that because it's true and there is an aspect of paternalism that I've been wanting to say on the podcast for a while so I apologize for another long rant but it's gonna get hilarious so be ready love it so something I really noticed from a white supremacy standpoint is that 
white supremacy has really changed the mental pathways of its victims. Hmm. And that includes white people because white people suffer under white supremacy in a different way than people of color. And one of the things I noticed is this belief that there is some somebody else who's going to come in and do it. So here's a, here's a two different examples that are going to get hilarious, but also kind of sad. So one example was during the Black Lives Matter movement here in the United States, because I know different countries have their own versions. Um, there was a little boy who was white who was murdered by a neighbor who was black mm-hmm. and he was shot and killed. And without the family's permission or consent, a ton of hyper conservative white people hyper-focused on this incident and we're like see look it happens both ways and the little boy's family was like we don't even want to be a part of this like, help us more and you weirdos but so many people online apologize for the siren so many people online were saying where's the media coverage where's the outrage where's his face on t-shirts and plenty of black and brown people on my own Facebook and elsewhere on Twitter and of Instagram where all their social media was, was like, you know how you get that is you go do it. Brianna Taylor's family contact and her boyfriend contacted media outsources. Mm-hmm. They made shirts. They organized protests. They contacted. They wrote to legislation. They tweeted. They texted. And it was just this concept of like somebody else is going to do it. It's like, no, it's always been you. It's always been the individual. Another thing, when I listen to conspiracy theorists who typically are white, not all, but some happen to be white that I've encountered. Most have been. They say things like the media, Mm. the media doesn't want you to know. And um, if if we break it down, What does the media consist of? People. (laughs) Any person can be the media. We all have phones. We all can stream. We all can post videos. We all can comment, etc. News outlets, you can say that news outlets aren't covering this. But to use such a blanket statement of the media, we all are the media now. It's not like back in the day with... Um, that William Randolph Hearst that operated the newspapers. We have multiple sources that can become the media, but they use those terms. Or um, like my, me and my siblings would always be like, who is they? And they'd be like, they don't want you to, who is they? Another thing with, cons- these sirens are crazy if you can hear yeah. them. So sorry. Yeah, that, that's okay. But you, you give a little in point. I have another example, but that's just one. So okay. On. Yeah, I... I just want, want to say oftentimes they means the Jews. That's a lot of the time what mm-hmm. what they means, um, especially when it's used by like conspiracists. Um, but, other, yeah. yeah, it's, and I think it comes from a place often where people feel powerless to do anything about whatever situation they happen to be in, in, in their life. Um, but also, yeah, like anybody can go to the media. My si- my sister had an article on the news written about her. She had because she had an issue uh, dealing with uh, a ticket that wasn't hers. Like this ticket got put under her name, and then she went to renew her car registration, and they're like, "Oh yeah, but you got to pay this seven hundred dollar ticket first. And she's like, "Well, that's not my ticket." And they're like, "Well, it's on your file here." 
And my sister said, well, print it out. She looks at it. It's not even her name on the ticket. And they're like, yeah, but we can't renew your registration until until it's done. Okay, this is like bureaucracy, right? Speaking of white supremacy. <laughs> then um, then she she emails the court and she's she's like, hey, this ticket's on my file. I need it taken off. I need a refund. And they're like, okay, we, we took it off your file. You know, It's not on your record anymore. Don't worry about it. She's like, okay, but I need a refund for the 700 and some dollars that I had to pay in order to like renew my registration. And they're like, oh, we can't do that. And it's like, excuse me you know and then she went she went to the media if you have a if you have a thing you can go to a media outlet and be like hey you might be interested in this story of what's happening right like that is an option people will write stories about it also the people who you know are up in arms about the what happened to this kid which i think rightfully so like it's awful when yes. you know when that happens you are like you are making a big deal about it right like you're you're like where where's the big deal i'm like y you you like you are making the big deal like it's right it's here it's here it's right here you know you can do it like, it kills me yeah <laughs> so you going and then another thing that they do is the conspiracy theorists they'll say the government doesn't want you to know. Here's the deal. The government is made up of, again, just like the media, people. Mm -hmm. um, people work at the DMV. They work for the government. Like, it's it's really closer to than you think, the government. Mm -hmm. Another thing, as a Native person, as an Indigenous person, of course I don't trust the government. I don't trust any entity of white supremacy, mm -hmm. period. I don't trust the church, for yeah. God's sake. But their fears about what specifically the government is doing is always some bizarre cognitive dissonance from the actual things the government is doing or has done. So they have these terrible fears of the government doing things to them when historically, listen, boo-boo, they're not coming for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're white, they don't, very rarely yeah. are they going to be doing experiments on your people. Very rarely, if ever, are they going to be testing bombs in the vicinity of your farming village mm -hmm. very rarely are they going to be drilling in pipelines and the things that i just mentioned including the bomb those were owned by companies the mm -hmm. pipelines are owned by companies they get permits from the government so if you want to say the government no 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 look at companies look at what they're doing and how they're entangled with the government but they can't do those cognitive steps because then they have to be critical of a very tangible person who is the president of those companies let's see and guess what they're not jewish people they're white christians what are they doing to inconvenience etc so forth what are they doing that could be potentially harmful and it's never things to white people and so it just kind of very rarely have white people in this country been experimented on or had unethical things happen to them the way people of color have. I mean, it's it's incomparable, truly. Um, so it just sort of tickles me pink because they're like, the government wouldn't. I was like, the government's been looking out for you because it can control you like this <laughs> through these conspiracies. <laughs> like, And I, I think it's largely a class thing too, right? Like oh, yeah. I, I had, I, okay. So I can email my member of parliament. I can email my uh, member of the legislative 
assembly uh, in the province that I'm in, I can email my city councilor. I can do that. In fact, I emailed uh, my mayor yesterday because I have I have a bit of an issue with some stuff that's going on. And uh, you you can do these things, but these companies have a megaphone called money. And mm-hmm. and they use that. So I think it's also largely a, a class thing. Um, it, it's it's about power and structures, like you were saying. Preach it, preach it, preach it. And as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. emphasized and Malcolm X towards the end of their lives, is that the poor white people have been put under a spell. And I'm paraphrasing what both of them had said. Um, as well as Angela Davis has spoken on this and um, Coretta Scott King their entire lives. They've put them under a spell about worry about these people of color. They're the problem. Mm -hmm. It's not this other system that doesn't even benefit you because like we said, white was a concept created where before it purely was classism and it wasn't hidden very well. Mm -hmm. Obviously people of color after the 1600s were put way at the bottom of that. Um, and prior to the Pueblo slave uprising, which really changed things, look that up because that's badass. 1680, just the anniversary just happened earlier this month. Pueblo people totally kicked the ass of the Empire of Spain, and it's very amazing. <laughs> kind of like Haiti, like get it done, people. Um, prior to those things happening, um, these big, big racial structures being formed, the classism was paramount you look at the way peasants were treated lower class people in general slave systems were an operation but were very different um not very different the structure was different but the way people were treated has always been bad uh yeah that's my long 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 story of paternalism that there's this big big sky like this daddy force like big daddy force so unsettling. I hate using that term like that. But yeah, it's this paternalism. You're handing over your power, your individual power to this entity that is nameless and faceless or is kind of like a person, but totally out of your comprehension mm-hmm. and you have to be groveling towards. And that's the only way you can get stuff done is by an act of God. Always expecting to be rescued is a toxic thought. You have to rescue yourself, unfortunately, and your community. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that. Um, the next one is. <laughs> Sorry. We really just went home on that we, one. We, one. We really did. I, I appreciate it. This might end up being a four parter. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Hey, four is a lucky number to, in my culture. So. Hey, perfect. Um, perfect. <laughs> um, the next one is, I think I'll let you speak more on this one. Cause I talked a lot in the last one. Either or thinking. Mm, either or thinking. Well, to start off with, you said that I could talk more in this one because you talked a lot in the last one. I feel like that's either or thinking. I think we could <laughs> both talk a lot in this one. That's uh, <laughs> um, Yeah. Okay. So either either or thinking. What does what does uh, Tamu Okun say about this one? How is this? a white supremacist thing. God, all the ways. So one of the biggest pieces that has started since the origin of white supremacy, go back to the 1600s, everybody, bad time for all, um, is the binary way. 
the, the binary way of thinking. And this is a foundational piece of Christianity in general. And I hate to bring this up, but I, I have no choice. Christianity, unfortunately, has been a huge catalyst for white supremacy. Does that mean that the average Christian is white supremacist? No, it doesn't. Does that mean that the faith in it as it, as it exists is white supremacist? No. But people have used this as a tool. Empires have. And so for either or thinking, you can look at multiple facets of Christianity and they happen to create a binary, including very strict, rigid gender binaries that previously didn't exist for most of the pre-colonial world. Um, for example, many indigenous cultures had more than two genders since the since woolly mammoths were walking this earth, since the since the polar ice caps, since the ice ages, many, many cultures have had not this or that thinking. Heaven, hell, good, bad, God, Satan, Adam, Eve, um, the list goes on, right? Um, but if you, even if you take a, a Christian view on it, which I don't think there's anything wrong with being Christian, you can see from the written word that God happens to create a spectrum, right? So you have like the birds of the air and the fishes of the sea. Well, penguins can swim and there are flying fish. So these are not this, this binary is wee wee weck. And for a long time in Christianity, right, you had Protestant, Catholic, and those are the two main forces that happen to be catalysts for colonization, for white supremacy. So you had Catholic approach, the Catholic approach to the colonization of America and had a Protestant approach to the colonization of America. Uh, colonization of America. And then they, they did all this throughout the world. Um, and both faiths happen to have serious this or that thinking, all or nothing thinking. Um, I can go into the specifics of the Catholic approach to colonization versus the Protestant approach to colonization. Um, it might not be necessary. But yeah, either or thinking, anytime you run into a binary is a tool of white supremacy because those don't occur in nature. You don't have morning, you don't have night, you have dusk, you have high noon, you have dawn, you know what I you have these different phases. Um, and it's, it's actually a cognitive distortion in therapy to have this or that thinking because very few things in life are absolute. So hmm. only a Sith deals in absolute. And like you were telling me that I use my hate and anger in a good way, just like Darth Maul, just like Darth Vader who use their hate and their anger to push through. So I it's, am... You know, Darth Maul really did push through. Like, talk about a comeback story. That guy, man, this guy, let me let me tell you a bit of a success story, okay? Like, talk about a minority. This guy had horns on his head, okay? So he's working for the emperor, right? But he's like, you know, he, he's going out and he's doing all these errands and stuff. He gets chopped in half. This guy, like... He falls to a bottomless pit because those are all over the place in Star Wars universe. And then, but then he crawls his way out and he makes himself like spider legs out of garbage. And he comes back and he like rises to the top of like a criminal organization. He like becomes the leader of Mandalore for a little bit. Talk about a success story. I just want a big shout out to Darth Maul for letting that anger carry him through. Um, honest, honestly, proud of him. An inspiration. Truly an inspiration. When I grow up, 
I want to be Darth Maul. He's who I model this podcast after. Actually. Actually, I think we'll probably close in his name. I I think that would be appropriate. Um, <laughs> uh, which I do I do I do think we may have to stop on on this one um, on either or thinking. So, uh, but I do. I, I think it's interesting how it is these these binaries instead of both end kind of thinking, um, how it it stifles creativity. Um, that's what that's what I I think about this. That's fair. I, I definitely think so. And also, this either or thinking has spilled over into for us that have Protestant forces that colonized us, and I know mm-hmm. parts of Canada had Catholic because of the French, um, it has really damaged, I mean, God, race is such a construct, but the either or thinking of race is insane, right? Because you have, you're, what, you're either black or you're white, or there's plenty of people that are biracial. And there's plenty of people that are biracial who don't look biracial. They don't look mixed. They look all black or they look all white, and that's just the way they came out. Hmm. Um, and it's very, it's disturbing and sad. And I see it in the native community and I see it in other communities when people pick apart how much somebody is of something, right? It's so gross and like colonization, but it's this either, or you couldn't possibly be both like, what the hell? Um, and it like, there was in the United States, we had something called the one drop rule, which is totally either Mm -hmm. or thinking, right? So you have one black ancestor, um, and then for Catholic forces in in Latin America, they did a one-drop rule similarly, but it was like with being white. It was a grandfather right. rule. So if you had a Spanish grandfather or great-grandfather that was half Spanish, you were you were a citizen of Spain. Right. And that was how they were defeated. Right. And so it's so funny because it's all – race and ethnicity are not the same thing. Ethnicity is culture. Ethnicity is much deeper. Race is literally how you look. And yeah. so it's just you – know, funny to me you wanted to make that either or it's it's interesting because um i i am white i have fair skin and blue eyes and light brown hair you know like i i'm very obviously white i come from europe in my ancestry right (laughs) but my last ancestor who lived in europe was um, my grandfather um, who and they moved here I think in 1950 right like it's 46 years before I was born what is that right like I am not European right mm-hmm. but that is that that's my skin color I'm Canadian I want to go to Europe and see you know where my ancestors lived and you know uh, and and kind of think about like, you know, I think it's interesting to, to see things like that. But I think um, when there's like an e- either you're here or you're there or either you're this year or you're that, I think you miss out on a lot of your own identity, right? Um, because, yeah, I, I don't know. I think if you obsess over one thing, about you one character trait or specific character traits i don't know we're all complicated people with uh, complicated experiences and complicated uh, family histories that have determined where where we wind up 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I was born and raised in Southern Alberta in Calgary and I love it here. But a lot of that love is probably because I was born and raised here, right? Like something I didn't choose, right? I didn't choose to be raised Mormon. I didn't choose to grow up where I grew up. I didn't choose my hair color or my eye color or my skin color. But uh, these are all all things that we use to define us. Um, and I, I think they do have an effect on us, but I don't think it needs to be an either or. For real. Amen. Preach it for real. And it, it's it's one of those things like I'm very confident in my native identity and I have been for literally years. Mm-hmm. But there was a point in my life where somebody telling me that I wasn't native enough or somebody telling me how white I am mm-hmm. would bother me. Um, it doesn't anymore. It's mm-hmm. quite the opposite. I'm like, anyways, like there's no it also doesn't happen to me very often. The mm-hmm. people who would say it to me were never native. They were always non-native white people. Right. Um no native person to my face has ever said that yeah. <laughs> on, on the internet, I'm sure on the internet, but people have so much more audacity online than I do in person. wonder why that is. Um, but I agree this either or thinking and it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty bizarre, but I, I think binaries are a silly because they don't really exist in the real world. Yeah. And that's, that's how you can tell if something's a construct or something's more real, right? Yeah. And that in you and <clears throat> Bishop Jensen did that, those episodes on simulation simulacra. Yeah. Where so, like, how you can kind of explain something's validity or not. Yeah. And uh, binaries and race in general are, are those things that you can quickly find holes in because yeah. they don't make any sense. Yeah. Racism yeah. doesn't make sense. It doesn't. I think... People of all sorts can be lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I appreciate this. One one thing I'm realizing as we go through this list is it's kind of, I don't know, I, I feel like this, this list has been labeled as a, a list of characteristics of white supremacy, but it's definitely a list of destructive systems. You know, like uh, characteristics of destructive systems, um, you know, because we do see this in the alpha male thing in the uh, capitalism and in um, all sorts of other other things, um, uh, patriarchy, all of that. I think it's all 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 tied together. And like you said, anybody. Anybody could use these tools. So if you're looking to start a destructive system have i got the list for you okay now list listen here this is this is the list for you i'm selling it for the low low price of fifty thousand dollars i'm going to be a 15 characteristics of white supremacist advisor um and uh yeah you can start like an evil corporation if you're thinking about um uh, holding people under your thumb, uh, creating class warfare, um, all all of that stuff. I I I can advise you on that. Um, my email is in the show notes. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me, Heavenly Mother. Thanks for kicking off my coaching business. Um, oh my I'm really excited for this <laughs> opportunity you've given me. Oh Jesus, take the wheel. 
So we'll close up. We didn't do all five, so we're going to break it into fives, but that's okay. So we're going to close in my personal inspiration, the holy name of Darth Maul. Amen. Amen.